Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I am here, as always, with George Mays. What's up, George? Morning. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Better than I deserve. Had a good Sunday afternoon? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. All right. Yep. Anything? Not too bad. Nothing interesting. <laughs> Just stayed stayed at home. Yeah. Just kind of awesome. hung out. Well, my uh, back is like slipped out. Yeah. I can't. Uh, what else is to, new though? Uh, no, this is. Is it bad? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Remember, remember the, the. Is it from you falling down a couple of weeks ago? Uh, it could be. Um, it's that uh, sciatic nerve pain. Mm-hmm. So the chiropractor, he'll, he'll like turn you sideways. Ugh. He'll pop it <laughs> and it'll, uh, it'll yeah. get better. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't believe in the chiropractor till I had that rib out. Remember that? Uh-huh. I don't even know if we talked about that on here. Uh, I think we did. I had that rib out of place. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. I was going to go to the emergency room, and I went in there, and the guy was like, oh, hang on a second. Puts a knee in my back. <laughs> my screams echo out through the whole facility. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like, give it a minute. Just give it a minute. Yeah. And, uh, and then it fixed it. So that's been feeling better. Oh yeah, I just that's there's no issue with that. I okay. mean, it is amazing. Yeah. So, All right. He's gonna crack. <laughs> I need to go to a chiropractor. I think. probably should. You've I never been? To, I've never been to one. No. Nope. Mm. Yeah, I imagine that it probably would do me some good. The first time that I went, then when I did it, I promise I felt like five years younger. Really? Yeah, it's so strange. It's like everything was in perfect alignment. Mm. Walking tall. So you feel 50 instead of 55? Yeah. <laughs> Felt 35 instead of 40. Yeah. Well, it's Text Driven Tuesday, George. That it is. And we're going uh, through your fourth sermon in Second Peter. Mm-hmm. So the text was actually a big portion of the text. It uh, was. You ca- you came and asked me when last week. I, I told you what I was doing. You said, this is a big, this is a big section. Are yeah. you sure that you can, you know, you can do it? Do all. it. Yeah. I, did it make sense? Yeah, I think why, so. Why it held together? Yeah, I, I think I think it did. It was um, good. I mean, I certainly probably. I mean, I could have done twelve through fifteen by itself, I guess. But it yeah. really ties into the rest of of what he's talking about in the chapter. Yeah, you. So you did twelve through the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. So, um, like usual, our our goal on this is to help people to understand the text and to apply the text. Right. So to do that, set it up for us. Briefly, don't spend a lot of time on what you covered, <laughs> if you can do that. What came before this, George? Right. And then read us the text we're going to okay. talk about today, and when you read it, I'll put the text up on the screen. Okay. Um, yeah, so the, um, the, the passage before us, beginning in verse 12, is Peter talking about the fact that he wants to remind his, his readers mm-hmm. of these things. So the ESV adds that word qualities okay um, but it, it really is i just want i i intend always to remind you of these things mm-hmm. um and so what are these things well i think it's everything that's gone before um verses one through eleven the fact that we are saved by faith alone in christ alone it's based on the righteousness of christ um that christ has granted us his divine power for that pertains to everything uh you know life and godliness um, we've, we have his great and his precious and very great promises. We're supposed to nourish our faith, build up our faith, um, because there is, uh, there's an eternal inheritance, um, waiting for us. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to remind us. And so the, the content of the reminder is, is found, I think in verses one through 11, but the means by which we gain that reminder are, Verses twelve through twenty-one. Okay, so I think it, it uh, the entire chapter is it's just one long train of thought. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's what's going on. That's, why, that's why, didn't why you I preach it on one sermon. Then that's why. I, <laughs> right. Just just do the entire chapter yeah. in uh, an hour. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I that's why that's why I I wanted to hold twelve through twenty-one together. Okay. Um. Because I, so, I was, so I read I read Martin Lloyd Jones's um, book on Second Peter, mm-hmm. 
and it's it's just these are i think i i i think the forward said this was his first big um expositional series okay he did this right after world war ii um and uh <laughs> i was looking at his chapters plural on verses 12 through 21 and he has like five chapters <laughs> <laughs> on these on this passage and i'm doing it all in one yeah, yeah but um as much as i like lloyd jones i mean he's probably my favorite dead guy mm. um sometimes you can um become so focused on the particulars of one verse that you miss how it's fitting together yeah so several of the chapters were about the second coming mm-hmm. uh, as we see in this passage right he's peter is going to be referencing the second coming we're going to get into the heart of the issue so of he, so peter. he kind of made a deviation and just he deviated and talked about the second coming in, in a couple of several sermons. couple of sermons yeah. yeah um which i'm going to reserve that to chapter three okay. when peter actually starts talking more explicitly about the second coming right so I, I think that we can talk about the second coming i think we just need to reserve that <laughs> for later on sure um so i'm not sure what he's going to do when he gets to chapter three if he's yeah. going to preach the same sermon over again or i, I don't know i haven't yeah I haven't he read does that something far yet. similar i've got his book on john 17 which okay. we're going to next you know and he's got i, I don't right. even know how many sermons are yeah. there but the book it's one entire book it's like Right. <laughs> that thick, you yeah. know, it's like 500 pages or something right. on John 17. Yeah. Um, but a lot of guys, a lot of guys kind of will do that mm-hmm. on, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll follow a trail and it'll end up becoming like a, a like almost like a systematic theology. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Doctrinal so, sermons. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which there's nothing wrong with doctrinal sermons. Right. Um, it's just, we, we want, and, I could have taken just 20 and verses 20 and 21 and yeah. done one sermon, but it would have, I think, been divorced a little bit from the passage. I think you do lose people a little bit when you do something like that. So they're, they probably are learning a lot. Yeah. People learn a lot like that, but mm-hmm. they may miss, like, actually what Peter's getting at. Right. Like as it's held together, yeah. Like his argument, Peter. What is his argument? Yeah. And I think you were trying to stick closer, as close as you could, at least to what is his argument. I, yeah, I was. Uh, that's what that's what I was attempting to do. You know, you you look at verses twenty and twenty one, and probably the the most famous verses in in Second Peter. Mm-hmm. It, you may not know anything about Second Peter, but you know uh, that no prophecy was ever produced by someone's interpretation, but but holy men. Uh, you know, carry along by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you you probably know those verses, um, and so I, I debated, especially after you came in and you're like, "Oh, that's a long passage." <laughs> <laughs> I was I debated um, doing a, a sermon on inspiration mm-hmm. because that's the this is the inspiration passage, yeah, right. Um, but you kind of did that. Uh, what a month and a half ago, yeah. you, you kind of did something like that with the Holy Spirit. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So I was like, eh, maybe it'd be helpful. Maybe it'd just be a you know um, a reminder as, yeah. he, <laughs> as <laughs> Peter's giving here, um, but maybe not necessary. Okay. And so I I just wanted to keep it together and and try to bring out what Peter is trying to accomplish here. Okay. Because that that's what I. You know that's that's what I want our people to uh, to know is what is Second Peter about? Mm-hmm. What does he mean when he writes these things? And um, you know, every people aren't going to get everything in one sermon, so it's over the course of time that they're going to keep hearing these things, and they're going to it's going to kind of they're going to be saturated with it, and they're they're going to you know take it in right and. Um, as they hear more about Second Peter, hopefully this this stuff will come out and they'll they'll understand across my sermons, your sermons, as we're going through these books, these systematic things will start to kind of come together a little bit more for them. Yeah. And so I I decided to forego a you know a separate sermon on inspiration, a doctrinal sermon, and just stick with what what is going on here in Second Peter. Mm.
So yeah, it's good. Okay, could you read the read the passage for us? Yeah. I'll put it up on the screen, okay. and then we can follow along with. All you. right. So this is uh, this is verses twelve through twenty one, uh, twelve through the end of the chapter. Uh, and again, we have to remember everything that's come before because the first word of, of verse twelve is therefore, mm-hmm. and so he's he is referencing back to I I think at least verses three through eleven. I think that's the context of what he's he's saying. Yeah. All right, so, uh, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. All right, very good. Thank you. All right, well, we're going to jump into this. Can you um, tell us, just just briefly, your skeleton, your, skeleton, your outline, mm-hmm. and then we'll move back through it? Okay. Uh, so three points. Mm-hmm. Um, you you are in... So this is a reminder. The, it's all about the, whole, the whole thing is about remembering, uh-huh. right? Um, but it's not just any reminder. It's, it's not just like, you know, you, you put something in your phone and it dings when you have an appointment. This is Peter writing using the first person I we he's an apostle so there's there's authority there's weight to this mm-hmm. reminder so um, it's the apostolic reminder that, that that was the title of of the sermon was the apostolic reminder mm-hmm. and so uh, point one you need the apostolic reminder yeah um, the second is um, that uh, you can trust the apostolic reminder. And third is that you will do well to pay attention to the apostolic reminder. Yes. So those okay. are my three points. Good. All right. So you need the apostolic reminder. Why do we need reminders? Because uh, we forget. <laughs> I mean, that's we uh, we forget. Mm. And uh, when I talk about remembering, uh, when the Bible speaks about remembering, it's not they're not focusing on just mental assent. Yeah. So when he's calling them to remember um, the gospel in, in verses one and two, the uh, the power that we have granted to us through the gospel in verses three and four, the the necessity for sanctification, for nourishing and building up our faith in verses um, five through eleven, he's not saying you're you've got um, you know amnesia, you've got knocked on the head, and you you don't remember these things. So we got to tell you the gospel all over again. When they talk about remembering, it's it's um, mental assent, but also acting upon it. Yeah. Um, so when he says that that I intend to remind you, he's not just trying to communicate facts to them. He's trying to communicate to them the importance of putting this into practice, actually applying these truths, um, and that's what we need to be re- reminded of. That's what we we need to remember because. Um, you can be a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years, um, grow up in uh, an evangelical church, and hear the gospel every single week, and you know Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was buried. He was raised. He's ascended. Um, and you, you have these these facts, but it, it has no impact on your life. And so that's why I think we have so many churches that are filled with um, immorality. Mm. Is because they they hear these things, but it has no impact on on how they live, and so this is what Peter is trying to do. He's trying to remind them, and so this this word for remember it's it's all throughout 
um, this passage. And then when we get to chapter three, the reason why he's talking about reminding is because the false teachers are deliberately overlooking, or the uh, the new uh, the NIV has it, they deliberately forget these truths. Yeah. And so um, you've got these false teachers that are infiltrating the the churches. They are deliberately forgetting these things, not the facts, but mm-hmm. how they're supposed to impact our life. Right. Um, they are promoting those things and leading other people to deliberately forget. And so Peter is deliberately trying to remind. Right. And th- this, this carries through the entire storyline. Um, God is constantly telling Israel to remember mm-hmm. um, the uh, one of the main criticisms of Israel in the Old Testament. We see it in in the Book of Judges, is that they forgot the yeah. Lord their God, um, and even in the New Testament, there's places where where Paul is telling the Ephesians to remember. He's telling Timothy to remember. Jesus tells the churches of Ephesus and Sardis to remember. Mm-hmm. And then 2,000 years later, when all the apostles are dead and um, we're, we're far removed from the historical events of the New Testament when this is you know, written, mm-hmm. and for some reason we think that we don't need that reminder, that somehow we've, we've transcended that. Yeah. <laughs> we're better off than the churches of the apostolic era. I like the comment that you made where you said, um, we ignore our tendency to forget. Mm-hmm. I wrote that down. We ignore our tendency to forget. Um, and that's totally right. Yeah. We we often don't have this correct assessment uh, of who we are. Yeah. Uh, maybe it could be overconfidence. Mm-hmm. Maybe it could, on the other side, just be a, uh, a willful ignorance. Yeah. We don't want to remember these things because we want to go and do and... Live a certain way. We right. see. I think we see that a lot today in the oh, West, yeah. in the Western Church. Yeah, the Western Church does not lack for knowledge. Mm. <laughs> That's true, right? There are yeah. more. There are more podcasts. Hello, I mean, here we go. We we live in the most privileged time in human history when you you have you have the wealth of two thousand years of church history on your phone. It's true. You not only have the Bible on your phone, but I mean, you can get on free sites and have mm-hmm. the commentaries of John Calvin for free, mm-hmm. uh, Luther, yeah. uh, all of these incredible minds. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's Spurgeon. You can get like on nearly all of his sermons for free. Yeah, um, you can listen to sermons from goodness decades. Yeah, you could listen to John MacArthur preach the whole New Testament if you right. want to. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, what we see, I think, is a willful uh, ignorance. Yeah. Where for, people forget on purpose. Yeah. And because if you if you um, really believe this and apply it, you have to give up things. Yeah. Right. You you can't just live however you want. You actually ha- and it, you you're going to butt up against the world. Like you're going to face the the opposition of the world. Why do you think there are so many Christians today that are trying their best to do all these gymnastics? to make it seem like it's okay to, you can be a same-sex attracted Christian mm-hmm. and you can be just as faithful as, as um, you know, a heterosexual <laughs> Christian. It's because they don't want the, the ire of the, of the world. Yeah. And they're, they're deliberately forgetting what the Bible says. Right. Like these things send people to hell. And yet there are people in the evangelical church that are trying to make excuses for why yeah. it's okay. Well, they'll say there's no hell, too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. right. I, saw, I saw this thing. Uh, it said, uh, stop saying you're a follower of Jesus if you deny hell. Because mm. uh, Jesus, ta- he, he talks about, about hell, hell yeah. a lot. Right. Uh, all the time. Yeah. He's warning people because it's terrible. Right. And uh, you're a follower of Jesus. You just think he's wrong about hell. Like, yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> right. He's not. He's if, not. If anyone should know, it should yeah. be him, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But the depths of our depravity is that we don't even understand the depths of our depravity, mm-hmm. right? So you don't even know how bad you are yeah. because of, of depravity, because of your own sinfulness. Your sinfulness is like this, this blinder. It's like this. I mean, Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians, it's like a veil. Over yeah. your face, and so there's there's people that deliberately just pull that veil back over their eyes. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to hear this because I don't want it to change how I live. And um, 
Peter's not allowing that. He's he is reminding them of this because these are high stakes. Yeah. Right. Ver, verse eleven tells us that if you do these things, if you, um, you know, make every effort to uh, confirm your calling and election, if you prove it by your actions. Um, there, there is, if you do it in this way, there is richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. This is a big deal. This is not something that you just, eh, it's not, you know. Yeah. If I live this way, I said a prayer, I've joined the church, I'm, I'm a Christian. Oh, Peter says that you, you have to be reminded of these things mm-hmm. because if you don't do these things, you know, you know, the flip side, if you don't do these things, then there's not, there's not um, richly provided for you an entrance into the kingdom of Christ. Yeah, man, we could, uh, we could take a detour here on the Lord's Supper, <laughs> right? And kind of makes me think of it. I mean, it, it? it's, it's for remembrance. Yeah. So, right. I mean, Jesus is so good because he knows what will be helpful to us. He knows right. what we need, and we need to be reminded of the gospel. Mm-hmm. We need to be reminded of of everything that Christ did on our behalf, And yeah. but during that time of remembrance, we also need to remember the body that we're part of, a family. Uh, these people rely on us. Am I dying to myself, my preferences for them? Um, am I killing sin in my life? Like all of these things, the Lord's Supper provides that great opportunity, yeah, and a great celebration and a remembrance that the second coming is coming. Like we'll yeah. get into that in your next point. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that's there, and yet you know, we in the West, it's so perverted. It's such a. I mean, you had the thing you sent me yesterday was the Kirk Cameron deal. They're taking <laughs> right. the, the Lord's Supper, <laughs> yeah, the campsite fire revival. Uh-huh. And there's like seventeen thousand people, none right. of which are in a church. Apparently, mm-hmm. maybe they go to church. I don't know, but they think taking the Lord's Supper with like Ritz crackers and Diet Coke mm-hmm. is okay to do. Right. Um, and part of it is a big part of it is that you do it in in a body, a church, because right. they hold you accountable to this. Yeah. Like you can't roll up in church and be like, "Oh yeah." Um, I abandoned my family, my wife and my kids, but I'm but I'm here for the Lord's Supper. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Then the church goes, "Hold up. Uh no. Mm-hmm. You need to remember right the gospel and you need to remember how you're to live in light of the gospel. Yeah. We're going to withhold this <clears throat> supper from you." Yeah. Like so the church is so vital in helping us remember. I guess is what I'm getting at. And the Lord's this, Supper This is, is why we say the church is essential. Mm. This idea that you can just do church at home, sitting in your PJs, watching it online. Um, you may, by God's grace, benefit some from from that, but um, the intention is for you to be in a church with other real people sitting around you. You can see them. They can see you. Um, they, they know what's going on in your life. Um, you're singing these songs not for your own not just for your own benefit, but for the benefit of others. Mm. You're, you're, we're supposed to be teaching each other um, through song. We're reminding each other through the songs that we sing of the gospel. Uh, and then, of course, we listen to um, God's word being proclaimed as a reminder mm-hmm. because you need this because you're so prone to, um, like you said, deliberately forgetting. Mm-hmm. We, we go out of our way to forget. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's what it is. Whenever you are intentionally sinning, when you set out to sin, you make excuses or you, you, know, um, you rationalize, what you're doing is that you are deliberately forgetting. Yeah. In that moment, you are forgetting. Yeah. And so you need, you need to be reminded always. Yeah. And yeah. and Peter is adamant about this because he knows he's he's getting ready to die. Mm-hmm. He knows he's not he's not going to be in person able to go to their their fellowship and and preach to them for long. He's going to die. Mm-hmm. He knows he knows the prediction that Jesus made in, in John twenty one that he's he's going to be martyred. Yeah. Um and probably given his age, um, given the situation in Rome, he probably sees it on the horizon. He, he knows that it's, it's going to take place pretty soon. And, uh, so he's adamant about reminding them. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's not casual about this. 
um, he he says, I, I want to stir you up to reminder. It's the, uh, the same word that is used of the disciples trying to wake Jesus up in the boat mm-hmm. when he's asleep and there's a storm and they think they're going to, they're going to sink. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not, you remember that, you've seen that meme with the person with the stick. Come on, do something. Have you seen that meme? No. You've never seen that meme? <laughs> oh, well, um, you know, they're not just, they're not just tapping him. Like, come on, Jesus. <laughs> we need you. <laughs> you can imagine them like shaking him. Yeah. <laughs> like, wake up. We're going to die. That, that's what Peter is trying to do. He's trying to stir them up. He's trying to wake them up, arouse them to the fact that they're going to, they're going to forget <laughs> unless they pay attention to this. Um, because it's, it's, um, that's how Drake sleeps, man. Really? He could sleep in a boat in a storm. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that when you preach. I'm like, Jesus must have been the deepest sleeper ever, man. <laughs> he probably was exhausted. He probably was just <laughs> he's out cold. dead tired. Because <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't be like, oh, well, you know, he's God, so he can sleep in storms. Right. No, no, no. You can't neglect yeah. his humanity. Right. He's a human. Uh-huh. He must have been, like you said, just super tired. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he was just exhausted. Yeah, or he I mean, just he's been ministering or he's to just people. A really deep sleeper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they went over and they had a sh- they like wake up. Yeah, <laughs> you got to wake up. We're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, that's the same idea. Uh, you know, Peter. <laughs> Peter may have even been thinking. I mean, he's one of the guys on the boat, right? Yeah. That's trying to wake Jesus up. So now he's trying to wake you up because you might die. Mm. You might die if you don't if you don't wake up. If you don't pay attention, you may die. Mm. Um, and so he he's trying to wake you up to this. And uh, so we need to be made aware of the dangers that are just all around us. Um, this world is trying to make you forget. Your your circumstances are trying to make you forget. The devil wants you to forget. But then you're, you yourself are at war with your old man, and he, he wants you to forget too. Mm-hmm. Like You are surrounded by um, traitors that want you to die. Mm. And so Peter is your friend. He wants you to remember. So it gives us this great apostolic reminder. And the second point that you have is that we can trust this reminder. Now, why, what reason do we have in the text? What does Peter tell us? Like, why can we trust uh, this great uh, call to remembrance? Because uh, he's, he's witnessed it. Okay. He's seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he starts out by saying we didn't follow cleverly devised myths mm-hmm. when we made known to you the power and the coming of Christ. Okay. Um, and this word that he uses for that's, coming that's is verse, it's verse 16. Verse 16. Uh, that word coming is, is the Greek word perusia, mm-hmm. which is, um, it is a word that is used to, uh, to talk about uh, the presence or visitation of a god mm-hmm. or a dignitary. And it becomes this technical term for the second coming in the New Testament. Um, there's been different ways that people tried to get around that, but I think if you look at the use of this term, it's talking about the second coming yeah. of Christ, um, and this gets to the heart of the of the letter. This is this is the issue. So these false teachers that are in that are infiltrating the churches, they are living according to their own lust, their own desires, their greed. They're they're just living however they want, and they're teaching others to do this also. Mm. And the reason why they're doing that is sounds because like they're like a Hillsong pastor. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah. Showing up in your uh, chauffeured car and taking your private elevator up to the green room where you can watch some sports before you yeah. go on go on stage and. And talk, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you you just you just go out of your way to try to get me to chase these. I'm just trying to help people <laughs> contextualize the type of you know, right? These people, these type of people, aren't new. I don't know if the you know I don't I mean? know if the guilt lies more with you in in seducing me in this way or me just being allowed to <laughs> to chase these things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we're living the same stuff. We are. This is. Oh yeah. This is. This and stuff th- just happens I, in I, every generation. I, and I think that. Um, I think it's the same reason. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Two thousand years. Um, you may live in a big city that is technologically advanced and and is just complete. It looks completely different from yeah. Rome. But the human condition is the the exact same. People don't change. Yeah. And so I think I think the same thing. The same reason why these false teachers here are living this way and teaching others is the same. The same reason why 
the evangelical church looks like it does today. Yes, that's right. Like there's a reason why Joe Biden can claim to be this devout Catholic and people fawn over him as this Catholic Mm -hmm. that's devoted. And yet everything that he does is completely antithetical to Catholic doctrine. Right. And the reason is they are deliberately overlooking the second coming mm-hmm. and and final judgment. Mm. So if there's not a second coming, if there's not um, if there's not final judgment, live however you want. Yeah. And who cares? <laughs> because you're not going to be held accountable for it. And um, I think that's what's going on today. Like you, you hear people talking about the second coming. You got people that make their big charts and try to you know graph out every every detail and mm-hmm. here's the exact time and and then there's going to be seven years of this and then there's you know mm-hmm. there's going to be this and this um that's not what we're talking about we're talking about how does it actually affect how you live if you really believe that jesus is going to to split the sky open and he is going to be visible and he's going to bodily return to this earth and he's going to kill everybody. <laughs> he's going to wipe out everybody George. who's an unbeliever. No, pe- people don't believe that. Though. They don't believe that. They That's pro- right. They don't believe they that. They don't. They don't even think that is in the Bible. Right. When it says that he he comes riding on a white horse and a sword is coming out of his mouth, with which he slays the, the nations. Um, I don't think that's. I don't think that's hyperbole. Yeah. And I don't think. Now here's here's the problem, right? This is probably what Peter is being criticized as mm-hmm. teaching myths, yeah, or fables or legends, or a morality tell. Um, there, these false teachers they're spiritualizing the second coming. Yeah, like oh well, you know when when it talks about that, it means I'm, I may get some I may get some <laughs> pushback from this because. Um, Many of our brothers and sisters in the post-millennial camp, they take Revelation 19, Jesus coming, riding on this horse with a sword coming out of his mouth. To slay the to nations. To slay the nations. Many of them, I don't know if it's all of them, they interpret that as the gospel going out to the nations. Right. And so the gospel is 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 spreading, and Christ is conquering, sub, he's, conquering he's subduing um, his enemies through the proclamation of the gospel. When I read Revelation 19, that's not the picture that I get mm-hmm. of these nations are well, they're right, yeah. believing the gospel. Yeah. It seems like Christ is actually coming back to this earth uh, to wage war against the beast and the false prophet and their armies, and Jesus annihilates them. He, yeah. he kills them. Right. Um, I don't think that that's, I don't think it's symbolism. I think that John is actually seeing the second coming. Yeah. There's no, he's, now he's using he's using symbolic language in some of this. I don't think Jesus actually is going to have a sword coming out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the power of his word, mm-hmm. right? Um, he speaks things into existence. He can say, "Die," mm-hmm. <laughs> and you die, right? Um, so I, I and I I don't want to I don't want to you know say that post millennialists that are saying this are the false teachers here. So I hope people don't hear that, right? Um, but just kind of a comparison. Um, when when Peter is talking about the second coming, he's not spiritualizing it, mm-hmm. um, and the false teachers are doing that. They're they're spiritualizing the second coming. Um, but what uh, what he says is that we we weren't we weren't making these cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the the second coming that Christ is going to come, and the reason why he says that is because we've seen it. Um, but what he starts talking about may be a little odd to people. He starts talking about the transfiguration. Mm-hmm. Like we were on the holy mountain with Jesus and he received honor and glory from the father. His face became dazzling white like the sun. The The voice from heaven, the father said, "You are my. this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Um, and what he's doing is he's saying, we've, we have essentially already seen the second coming. They got a preview. They got a preview of it. Mm-hmm. Like the the veil was pulled back. Christ's humility in his incarnation was kind of peeled back for a second. And they see the glory that is Christ, that's going to belong to Christ the second coming. Yeah. 
And so he's saying that we know how this story ends because mm-hmm. we've already we've already got a preview of it. Yeah, uh, it's like those trailers that you see that that give away the the twist. Mm-hmm. You ever seen those? Yeah. <laughs> like, who put this trailer together? Like, I don't need to see the movie now because well, you you told me the entire yeah, the entire yeah, yeah. story. Um, that's that's what's going on with with Peter and James and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. Mm-hmm. They've seen the uh, the spoiler. Yeah. Right? Spoiler alert: Jesus is clothed in honor and glory, mm-hmm. and it's going to be finally and fully manifested at the second coming. And so Peter can say. Um, this is not a myth. When we tell you the second coming is is going to occur, that this is a historical reality, we can say this without any doubt. This is 100% certain because we have already seen it at the transfiguration. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people always like, oh, when God, when Jesus comes back, I'm just going to question him this. <laughs> right. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask him why did bad things happen to good people? Yeah. Like uh, I think maybe you're going to get disintegrated, yeah, <laughs> right. by the by his glory. It's going to be like a Thanos snap, but it's coming from his glory, yeah. And, and you'll just be completely unmade, yeah, right. But, <laughs> but eternally, I mean, you've got you have instances of this in the Gospels. You're going to get to it in John, where they come to arrest Jesus, and he says, "I am, mm-hmm. or, I am He." And they, fall, and they all fall down. They fall down. <laughs> like, that's him in his incarnation. That's him in his humility. He says, yeah. I am. That's right. And those who come up against him fall down. When he comes back in his glory um, with a sword coming out of his mouth, it's going to be far worse than them just being knocked on their butt. Yeah. Right? <laughs> He's going to... He's like you said. He's he's just going. They're going to be undone. I think that. And they and they don't ask. What's so strange about the human condition? It always gets me when you read this. They don't say at that time. Like you would think. Okay, now's the time where people will say, "I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. Please forgive me. I am submitting to your, you know, uh, please save me based off of your work alone." Right. No, they're like, "Hide me from this yeah. from this lamb." <laughs> yeah. Like, make the rocks fall on us. Right. Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why don't they just say, "Please forgive us." Right. He's merciful. Yeah. But it's too late then. Yeah. They're, and they're, they're, and their they're, fallen human condition is so yeah, and, in, ingrained that they won't repent. Right. And again, um, humans will not, of their own volition, choose Christ. Mm-hmm. Like they, they are, they are rebels against God, and. Um, even the second coming is not going to change hardened hearts. Yeah, that happens through regeneration. That's right, and um, that that is seen all throughout the Book of Revelation. Because even when all these plagues hit them, they don't repent, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we see that today. Like the coronavirus, uh, people are scared of it. Um, they're scared of the coronavirus, but they don't repent. Like they're not scared of God. Um, that's that's that. That is not going to be the catalyst for them to repent. They have to have a work of divine grace in their hearts mm-hmm. for them to repent. Um, but you, you know, Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah sees the Lord seated on his throne, high and lifted up. We know from John chapter twelve that he's seeing yeah. the Son. Uh-huh. He's seeing Jesus sitting on, on his throne. And what does Isaiah say? Um, he says, "Woe, woe is, me, is me! I am undone." Um, I think that's what hell is. Mm-hmm. I think. Isaiah has his sins atoned for, um, but those in hell, I think, will see the holiness of God, and they will well, eternally— Well, not not it, when he says that. Right. Like, he's experiencing— He's experiencing the holiness. What it means to be a sinner right. laid, laid bare mm-hmm. in the presence of Christ. Right. And it's not a good experience. Right. So he calls out, mm-hmm. and to get that picture of the imputation of God's righteousness through the coal, he forgives right. him— and he's made holy, and mm-hmm. he's forgiven. So now he's in God's presence, as will you know, as will be eternally. Right. But I th- I think that hell is going to be that eternal. Yes. Woe is me! That's I right. am undone. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an eternally I'm undone experience. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and it's and and like you said here, uh, he gets a a picture of this glory. Yeah. It's a little preview, mm-hmm. and he says, "You can trust me. The second coming's coming because I saw." Right. 
I got a preview of of his glory, and he's coming back in glory. And so he says that we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the experience that Peter has on the Mount of Transfiguration, because he can say, I've seen it, I've seen the end, mm-hmm. he's saying this this experience on the Mount of Transfiguration, it lends all of its weight and credence to strengthen the prophetic words of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you read in the Old Testament about the Messiah coming and judging the nations, you can believe it because Peter's seen, he's seen it on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's seen, here's Christ clothed in glory mm-hmm. and um, he, he is going to come. Yeah. He's going to come. It's not a myth. It's not a fable. It's not a morality tale. It's not spiritualizing. There is going to be a historical moment in time when Jesus visibly, physically judges the nations. So your last point comes from verses 20 and 21, and it kind of gives us the reason as to why do, why should we pay attention to this prophetic word, right? I can't remember exactly how you phrase, phrase well, you it. Well, I mean, I just took it straight from the end of verse 19, you will do well to pay attention. Yeah. You will yeah. do well to pay attention to this apostolic reminder. And so this is the portion which you said could have been a whole sermon by itself. Yeah. It's on inspiration. Mm-hmm. So explain to us the origin. That's what I wrote down. This is about the origin of prophecy. What is the origin of prophecy? Yeah, when I uh, when I came to verse twenty, I didn't know that it was so controversial. Like, there's different interpretations for this verse mm. on interpretation, right? Um, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Yeah, uh, Rome, the the Catholic Church, they actually used this against the reformers. They they took this, and this is um, it's it's um, it's a, it's it can be a hard verse to to understand. And it's one of those verses that you're so familiar with, you've heard it so often that you just don't even think about oh, what does this really say. Um, so Rome would Rome used this against the uh, the reformers to say, well, that's right. Um, no, no prophecy is based on someone's own interpretation. So um, the common person doesn't need the Bible in their house because they're going to have a private interpretation. They're going to get it wrong, and it's yeah. just going to cause chaos. They still say that, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so it needs to be left up to the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is the the final interpreter of of Scripture, mm-hmm. um, but that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about, and I I don't know if that word interpretation is um, the the best translation of that word. It it may cause some confusion, but verse twenty one it helps us to understand verse twenty. Mm-hmm. So it, it's talking about the origin of the Scripture, right? So. No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. What he's talking about is no prophecy came about by a prophet's own interpretation, by his own creativity, by his own determination. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah didn't look around at at the state of affairs in Israel and say, I need to write something about this. Yeah, through his right. own imaginations. Right, and so uh, you know, Jeremiah didn't come up with these strange visions on his own, and yeah. I'm going to... You know, I'm going to make some kind of uh, illustration for Israel, and I'm going to put my own interpretation into it. Like, here is the word of the Lord. That's why they can say, thus says the Lord, yeah. or the oracle of the Lord, the burden of the Lord that came upon me. Mm-hmm. Um, because they didn't, they didn't just set out to write Scripture. And the standard... That's, that's is, what verse 20 is. Yeah, and the standard for them was perfection. Right. They're not like these guys today. Right. They're wrong like uh-huh. nine times out of right. ten. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is not the same. Yeah. Um, that, that's, what, that's what verse 20 is talking about, that no prophecy of Scripture ever came about because someone set out to just write something and interpret it on their own. Mm-hmm. Like not only is the origin, but the interpretation of, of the prophecy is not the prophet's own imagination. It comes from God. So you can see this. There's there's examples of this throughout the, the prophetic books, that the word of the Lord comes to someone like Jeremiah. He sees something. You can see this at the beginning of Jeremiah. He sees, he sees like a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and the voice says, you know, what do you see? And Jeremiah says, this is what I see. And the interpretation comes to him. 
Mm-hmm. Like, this is what this means. Mm. So it's not Jeremiah's own interpretation of it. It's the it's the Holy Spirit interpreting it for Jeremiah. Uh, so verse 21 helps us to understand verse 20 that, that uh, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So here's the origin, here's the divine, the divine source of the prophetic word. Yeah. It's not it's not Jeremiah or Isaiah or Zechariah or, or any of these guys' own imagination, their own interpretation. It's they were carried along by the Holy Spirit and they spoke the words of God. So we have that and so we can see how that applies to the Old Testament. How then would we apply this to the New Testament to understand that the the entirety of scripture are inspired? Um, well, uh, Peter, um, he says, I'm, I'm setting out to remind you, mm-hmm. and he writes it down, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so he's, I, there's, I think that there's, it's obvious that they, the apostles knew that they were writing right. the words of God. Yes. Um, a place that I, I think of is uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, where... Um, Paul mm-hmm. is writing to the Thessalonians, and he says, We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Yeah. So Paul has this understanding as an apostle. What I'm speaking and what I'm writing to you, it is the word of God. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, you don't receive it as the words of men, you receive it as the words of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he says it either in. I uh, can't remember if he says it in. I think it's Second Thessalonians. Maybe he says that anyone who doesn't receive this um, isn't ignoring us. He's ignoring the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I can't remember where it is uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, they have this this understanding that they are speaking from the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and Peter himself, at the end of of Second Peter, he's going to say that these false teachers they twist the word of God, and they twist they twist Paul's words just like they do all the other scriptures. That's right. So That's right. even Peter is acknowledging that what Paul is writing, yeah. Is scripture? Yeah, it is the word of God. That's right. So they have they have evidence, and and that's that's how they they uh, they can speak with such authority mm-hmm. because they know that they're not speaking their own words; they're speaking the words of God. That's right. Um, so it's not just the Old Testament that verses twenty and twenty one are are referring to; it's the New Testament also. The words that the apostles are writing, they are being carried along by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and um, it has authority. Yeah. It it is inerrant. It's infallible. It, it has authority. It's sufficient, and so, like he says in verse nineteen, you'll do well to pay attention to it. Yeah, and yeah, and that's right. this is what the reminder is all about. Mm-hmm. It's it's not again. It's not just this mental ascent. It's yeah. it's not an intellectual in- exercise. Pay attention to it. Yeah, follow it. Do do what it says. Obey it. Yeah, and really, it's a these this reminder, this writing of Peter. They're the, these are the words from Christ, mm-hmm. and uh, people could go back and they could check out the podcast we did on John chapter sixteen, in particular the verses regarding the Holy Spirit, where Jesus said, "I have many things, more things to say to you, but you're not able to bear them now." Right. And so then we when we looked at that, we saw the ministry of the Spirit was to help them to remember all that Jesus said, uh-huh. and that's the Gospels. Right. But he has more things to say to them, right? And that comes through the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't speak on his own; he only says what Jesus tells right. him to say to the to the apostles. Mm-hmm. And so, those many more things to say to you that you're not able kind of are the interpretation of Jesus' life, and that's what we have in these letters. Yeah. How do we live in light of Jesus' life? Which right. is how this letter started, right? Yeah. He reminds them of the gospel. Then he begins to tell them how to live, and now he's telling them, hey, time to remember this. Right. Because they need to live a certain way in light of the second coming. Right. Like here, here, I, th- I think we, we think a lot of um, how we should live in light of the first coming, mm-hmm. but Peter is trying to get us to think about how we ought to live in light of the second coming. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of Christians need that reminder. Yes. Um, and, and we'll get to it when we get to chapter three. You know, we we kind of get the second coming fatigue 
like it's been 2000 years is jesus ever going to come back and we and we i think we can there's a danger of becoming a little cynical because mm-hmm. there's been so many people over the course of hundreds of years thousands even that have tried to predict when jesus is going to come back and they they've all been wrong they keep doing it anyway they keep writing their books you know <laughs> they keep making their charts and they keep trying to pinpoint all right who's the antichrist and and all of this and i think we can get fatigued and we can get just kind of um uh bored with it and uh what peter is trying to do is to remind us that christ is coming that um mm-hmm. and again we're we're kind of anticipating chapter 3 um, Christ is coming, and so we're supposed to live a certain way yeah. in light of the second coming, because it is coming. Good. Uh, judgment is coming, yeah, yeah. and so we need to live godly lives, and we need to be reminded of this. All right. Well, thanks for the sermon. It was a good sermon, good se- good little series here. Uh, continuing, we're going to pick up in chapter two. What's coming in chapter two? Uh, we've got um, the the false teachers are going to be He's just going to blast them. Okay. Um, so he's he's going to warn them again that false teachers are coming. They're already here. He is going to um, he's going to remind them that there's judgment coming for the false teachers. That they're not safe. Waterless they're springs. Going to, they're going to experience judgment. Yeah. Uh, he's going to kind of lay out the characteristics of the false teachers, and then we'll get into chapter three. So the next the next round of Second Peter is going to do chapter two and chapter three together and um, remind us of the second coming and awesome. how, we, how we ought to live in light of it. Good, good. Well, good stuff. Well, thank you, George. Yep. It was good. And uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening, if it's been a blessing to you, please uh, let us know. Maybe write a comment, drop a comment, write us a review, like, subscribe, share with your friends. Um, we enjoy doing these and hopefully... These are helping you in your Christian life. It's our hope as always that everything we do here is helping you to become more and more conformed to Christ.